You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, yeah. What's going on, DMV? You know who it is, Youngest in Charge Movement, Liddell Willingham. Here with you live and local on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Ride with me. It'll take you up to 10 o'clock here on this freaky Friday night edition of Overtime. Plenty to get to here in the next three and a half hours. We'll have a guest stop by the program. Super producer, Metal Chris in studio tonight. Chris, you're going to have to go get our special guest here tonight. Longtime NBA insider, Scoop B. Robinson, set to join the program. We'll discuss a lot when Scoop B. joins the program. Chris, that entire 9 o'clock hour, Chris and the fans out there listening, that 9 o'clock hour, we're going to go all hoops all the time for that final hour. Chris loves hoops. I love hoops. Chris is wearing his Phoenix Sun shirt. Chris, have you heard the joke going around about the $200 million man? No, what is it? And I don't mean to make any light of Kelly Oubre's situation, but the joke is Kelly Oubre got hit by a car and is still back before Bradley Beal. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty, pretty tough joke. Chris, I feel like you're you're like playing both sides of this because you were a Suns fan before you started working here. Then the trade goes down over the summer. You're still wearing a Suns gear. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a good Rapid, time to baby. be a D.C. Suns fan because they also have KD, who's a D.C. Come on native, now. you know. So Come on now. We got to support our local, our locals when we get the opportunity to. Uh, there's a lot of people complaining about the NBA's in-season tournament, and I talked about it the other night on overtime. But last night, just I, I, I thank the Lord. I get on my knees every time. Every time we get to watch LeBron James participate in a basketball game, we should all watch. My king, your king. I was on Twitter ruffling feathers. There was a stretch in that first half last night where LeBron James hits three straight triples and then knocks in a layup. The triples are from, like, the logo. If you were watching it all last night, it was just phenomenal to see. And then I tweeted it out, 11 straight points for the greatest player of all time. And my mentions went berserk, Chris. I saw that post. I saw it. Hey, come on, man. You know I got to ruffle the feathers some of the old folks out there, but no, I, I obviously understand how layered of a conversation that that is. But LeBron James last night, 9-12 from the field, 4-4 four four from beyond the arc, 30 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds in just 23 minutes of action. The fact that he's this efficient, and it feels like, and I was saying it last night watching it with my boys, it almost feels like LeBron is getting better at this stage of his career. He is shooting the triple better than he has his entire career. The field goal percentage is sky high right now. And, and watching him play last night, he chuckled about it in the postgame. He took three charges last night, man. This is a dude, you're 21 in the league, 39 years old, taking charges in the NBA in-season tournament game. I love what they did. It's provided this competitive edge uh, during the early months or the early weeks of December where normally the regular season basketball uh, it's a little bit died down, but it was damn sure awesome to see LeBron James going off last night. The Lakers as a whole, interesting case study, but I just pay attention to LeBron. He is going to be probably the only dude ever to defeat Father Time. Um, and we are truly lucky to get to watch this guy, man. In-season tournament title game tomorrow, Pacers and Lakers. We told you how LeBron James and company got to the title game, just dismantling the Pelicans last night. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there is a new star on the horizon in the NBA that's getting a little extra national attention because of the tournament, and his name is Tyrese Halliburton. He's got the Pacers playing in the title game, getting busy 
in his last two games in the play-in tournament, including last night, Chris, 27 points, 15 assists, seven rebounds, zero turnovers, and a huge, huge clutch three over Damian Lillard. And then this is what I loved. He follows it up, tapping the wrist, the old Dame time celebration. I was geeked up, man. Bucks guard Damian Lillard, though, eh, I don't know how much he actually loved it. Tyrese, uh, he did like the Dame time at the yeah. uh, in the game. Being a vet, like when you see like the new kids doing that, or like you know NBA players looking up to you in that way, like how does that make you feel seeing like someone do that? I mean, it's when you. Uh, I learned as a as a kid, you know, when you dish it out, you got to be willing to take it. And for as many times as I've done it to people, you know, I can't be upset when. Um, somebody else does it you know what I mean I think that's also um, a sign of respect and acknowledgement for you know knowing my history and knowing what I do and uh, you know I, I didn't mind it um, was what it was I just I've also known that you know when you having your moment is it's important to be careful and to to be humble when you having your moments because you just never know how the tables turn and when they're going to turn so um I respected it. You know, I didn't think we shook hands after the game, and I I wasn't moved by it left or right. Man, basically what Dame Lillard's saying is get your damn popcorn ready. I love all of this. I also love how it kind of feels like Dame was downplaying it a little bit. When you get cooked the way Dame was last night, and Tyrese is guarding him on the defensive end, so he had Dame Lillard in basketball hell last night. But the thing is, beautiful part about Bucks and Pacers, two Eastern Conference teams, that will for sure see each other again. Can this become a must-see battle this year uh, in the Eastern Conference? Tyrese Halliburton's got the Pacers playing at a historic pace right now. They're the number one offense in the association. They're number one in terms of pace, number one in terms of points per game. So Rick Carlisle and company uh, got it going on right now. We'll talk plenty of hoops, like I said, before we get out of here, including an update on the Washington Wizards as they get geared up to play game number 21 on the season. We've officially hit the quarter pole, Mark. So we'll give you some numbers that tell you why things are going to be better than the Wizards' 3-17 and record currently indicates. The boys in Brooklyn tonight taking on the Nets. We'll keep you updated uh, throughout that uh, on the show here tonight. We'll also let you hear from Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal, who had just some brutally honest advice for Pelican superstar Zion Williamson. As I said earlier, top of the 9 o'clock hour, special guest in studio once again here tonight, longtime NBA insider Scoop B. Robinson uh, in studio. He was actually in Las Vegas last night uh, at the NBA's play-in tournament game, so we get the latest from around the association coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Huge weekend as well, though, coming up in the National Football League, baby. Teams continuing their playoff push in two games that I'm sure everyone is going to have their eyes glued on. Sunday Night Football, first of all. NFC East Slobberknocker. Eagles in Dallas taking on the Cowboys. And this game just has plenty on the line this weekend. Philly trying to bounce back from getting punished by the 49ers this past weekend. It's crazy. Everyone all of a sudden sounding the alarm right now in Philadelphia. And look, it may be justified defensively. We'll give you some numbers as the show rolls on. They have been hot garbage here over the last month. And the reason that I'm ready to sound the alarm is because it's kind of a trend, not something that's happening just here within the last few weeks. I remember Sam Howell, our old quarterback here in D.C., no coincidence, it looks like Joe Theismann against that Philadelphia Eagles defense. There is trouble in paradise uh, for the Dirty Birds. On the flip side, though, when you look at Dallas, if they win on Sunday, huge if because we know how they get in these games that actually matter. If they win on Sunday, I think you got to put Dak Prescott right in the thick of the MVP conversation right now in the National Football League in terms of quarterback that, that'll be eligible for that award uh, he's been on a tear since their loss to San Francisco. We'll see what happens on Sunday night. My money, actually, I'll tell you where my money's at a little bit later on in the show. But before that, we get Chiefs and Bills, another AFC slobber knocker, two powerhouses over the past couple of years with major holes in the armor for Kansas City. It's that offense. They're struggling to get on track right now. Defensively, they've been damn good. For Buffalo, it's losing these one-score games. Buffalo Good football team. We know it on paper. They got plenty of talent, but they're at 6-6, six and six, and both teams are desperate, I'd say. For Kansas City, you need home field advantage. Straight up, if you lose Sunday, if you're Kansas City, you're officially in chase mode for that number one seed with Miami and Baltimore now starting to play really well. On the flip side, for Buffalo, if they lose, 
It may be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Folks, straight up disgruntled in Western New York. They're winning, or they aren't winning, excuse me, and the stories are starting to get leaked out, kind of like here in D.C. But before we get into that John Kime and Jeremy Fowler story, because we will touch on that before the show uh, concludes here tonight, I want to look at the bombshell report that came out of Buffalo yesterday and the response from head coach Sean. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. McDermott will give you the latest on the Buffalo Bills next here on The Fan. Just getting rolling. Here on this Friday night edition of Overtime, it's the Youngest in Charge movement. Linnell Willingham will take you up to 10 o'clock tonight. We'll get you up to speed on the Hokies. We'll have Tech Talk Live following myself. Speaking of collegiate athletics, I said it uh, yesterday. I filled in for my pal Craig Hoffman over on our sister station, the Team 980. And didn't get to mention this yesterday, but wow. When I look at the state of college basketball, Here in the early portion of the season, we've already had number one Purdue go down last weekend. Uh, We saw Kentucky go down last weekend. We saw Duke fall this past weekend locally. And I know we've had this conversation during the summer when Ed Cooley first got hired. Locally for Maryland, more so Maryland than Georgetown, Terps has been a rough start to the season, man. It has been a... not very good, especially after year one of Kevin Willer. They end up making the tournament, and then this year they're off to a pretty slow start here. Defensively, they've been good. We know that's Kevin Willard and a Kevin Willard coach team. That's their calling card, but offense has been really tough to come by for this group. Similar start to what they had last year, though, right? It felt like last year. They got off to a slow start in terms of shooting the basketball. We obviously know how they were eliminated from the tournament, just unable to score on a consistent enough basis. But we know for them it all starts and ends on the defensive end of the floor. Five and four right now uh, for the Terps. They're going to be off this weekend before taking on Alcorn State early next week. The, the schedule for the Terps the next couple are pretty light. Got Alcorn State, you host, you host Nichols, and then you go at UCLA next Friday night. So that'll be one. Uh, that you got to pay attention to as well. And then as soon as you get into the new year, you got to date with number four Purdue. That big 10 schedule, uh, always difficult for the Terps. On the flip side, uh, for Georgetown, huge, huge game tomorrow night uh, for the Hoyas. They'll host Syracuse, and we know that's one of the, just the richest rivalries in all the sports, probably one of the richest rivalries in college sports as well, man. So for damn sure excited uh, to see Coach Cooley make his debut in that Georgetown versus Syracuse rivalry. Uh, for sure excited to see that. It's an earlier tip tomorrow. I was thinking about going out and trying to check out the Hoyas. It's an earlier tip tomorrow, and I'm here late tonight with you guys. So we'll see how your boy feels in the morning. Plenty of show to get to, though. We got Scoop B. Robinson, longtime NBA insider, coming in studio, top of the 9 o'clock hour. We'll also let you hear from Jeremy Fowler and John Kime. I know the past 24 hours or so, their big bombshell expose story 
on the last couple of months for the Washington Commanders have broke. But earlier this morning, John Kime and Jeremy Fowler, uh, or Jeremy Fowler, excuse me, joined the John Kime report. And to hear them speak on the story instead of just getting transcripts from the article, it makes a hit a little bit different. We'll touch on a couple of different things, including Jeremy Fowler and John Kime stating when they started sensing friction uh, within that Washington Commander's locker room. So a bombshell story that we get to the bottom of as the show rolls on here tonight. When we come back, I teased it on the other side of the break. When we come back, we'll pay off the tease for real. There is also- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. So trouble in paradise in western New York uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Sean McDermott a part of one of the biggest coaching exposés that I've ever seen. We'll let you hear from Sean McDermott. He responded to that story next here on The Fan. We're vibing here on a Friday night on 106.7 The Fan. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Taking you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we dish things over to Tech Talk Live. Plenty to get to as the show rolls on here tonight. I want to switch gears to the National Football League. We talked some NBA there in that opening segment. We talked some college hoops there in the last segment. But as promised, man, there is there is trouble in paradise. And I think the timing, the timing of this Buffalo Bills story is so ironic because what we're dealing with here locally in terms of the commanders here in the past 48 hours. Obviously, John Kime and Jeremy Fowler, ESPN, burning the midnight oil, interviewing a litany of different sources to write their piece that came out about 48 hours ago highlighting uh, what's went wrong with the 2023 Washington commanders. They talk about Eric Bieniemy and how his relationship with players and coaches have kind of ruffled some feathers. They talk about some of the details and the firing of Jack Del Rio. We'll let you hear some audio of the two talking about the story as well. But because there's some coaching friction being reported here in D.C., I thought it was super ironic, the story that came out yesterday. Now, this is from Tyler Dunn. Tyler Dunn has his own subscription-based service called GoLongTD.com. Uh, but he's very plugged in with the Buffalo Bills. And he put together a three-part series where 25 different former players, coaches, personnel guys, and other team officials are used as sources. And what I'm going to describe is one of the most eye-opening hit pieces in recent memory. And it's all centered around Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott. Now, there's excerpts out there that I've seen. I have not read every piece uh, of this expose because it's a subscription-based service, and Tyler Dunn, I love you, but I'm not kicking out any cash to get this info. But the people who are actually spending their hard-earned money on it, they're starting to leak some of the stuff out on Twitter. Just seeing some of the excerpts from in 
this Tyler Dunn piece, it's damning on the character and the leadership ability of Sean McDermott. And we've had a plethora of different discussions here locally about what type of guy we want as the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. Boy, I hope it's not a guy like Sean McDermott. One quote, one source describes Sean McDermott as an unnatural communicator, a quote-unquote robot. He's described repeatedly as a blamer. That's what it says in the Tyler Dunn piece. Coaches see a boss who preaches accountability while taking none himself. And this is a quote that really knocked my socks off. As the Titanic inches toward an iceberg, this captain shoves passengers aside to secure his own lifeboat. Anyone who knows anything about leadership in America, in sports, whatever, when you are a leader and everyone knows you are the leader, all of the blame falls at your footstep. All of the blame is right at your front door. You got to take accountability for the bad things that happen. And I remember it was that Monday night football game when they lost to the Denver Broncos. Now, Buffalo, like I said, is trouble in paradise. They've lost three out of their last four. But after the loss to Denver, I believe it was, they go out and fire offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. And they go on to talk about that firing in this piece. And it's just nuts to me because, and I'm trying to find the quote. One of the sources when Dunn initially was speaking to people for this story actually forecasted actually forecasted Ken Dorsey being fired. The quote says, next year if they fail, you know who will be the first person he serves up? Ken Dorsey. And they loved, and they go back and highlight, you know, the the obvious playoff game from a couple of years ago uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs and how they left them too much time to score. And a lot of this piece and expose highlights Sean McDermott really not being able to get over it. They detail it. Here in the story, Sean McDermott goes out and says in the locker room, one assistant coach remembers McDermott saying in the locker room that the offense scored too fast and left the Chiefs too much time on the clock. Remember, nationally, locally, that's what everyone was saying to describe that situation. And the NFL competition committee obviously heard the grumblings, and they changed the rule. They changed overtime rules because of this situation So to hear the actual head coach making these type of excuses, it's ludicrous, and it tells you just how tough the Buffalo Bills are. The next day, after that loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, McDermott continued the finger-pointing. You guys need to get away, the quote says. Recharge, reflect, and figure out what you can do better to avoid that from happening again. And they said after. He walked out of the room abruptly. Sam Cassell meme. I mean, geez, Sean McDermott. Another quote says, it's narcissism. Because narcissists are a unique conundrum. They want the attention, but they're so insecure at the same time, and that's him. This is a quote from a former assistant in Buffalo that was on that staff when they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Was that last year or two years ago? Two years ago. And the quote continues to say, and that's him. The issue with the team is the guy at the top. It's really nothing else. There are so many examples of his insecurity and his bizarre leadership that you could talk for days. And another quote says, he never takes accountability, period, for anything. Now, some of the quotes in the excerpts that I just read, that's not what's gotten the attention nationally here over the past 24 hours or so. What I'm about to read to you all is a quote and an excerpt from this piece. And I want to give a trigger warning to anyone out there that has been affected by 9-11. This may be a sensitive subject to you. I want to read it. At St. John Fisher College in Pittsburgh, New York, McDermott's morning address began innocently enough. He told the entire team they needed to come together. But then, sources on hand say he used a strange model goes on to say, the terrorist on September 11th, 2001, 
he cited the hijackers as a group of people who were able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks to perfection. One by one, McDermott started asking specific players in the room questions. What tactics do you think they used to come together? A young player tried to methodically answer, what do you think their biggest obstacle was? A veteran answered, TSA, which mercifully lightened the mood. So clearly, it's just tone deaf. It's tone deaf. It's disrespectful. And especially considering that he is a head coach in the great state of New York where these tragedies took place at. So that's another example of Tyler Dunn and the work that he did. I told you all at the start of the segment, a three-part series where he went out and interviewed and sourced 25 former players, coaches, personnel guys, and other team officials from Buffalo. And they all had some pretty nasty, snarky things to say about the current head man in Buffalo. Now, there's also another off-the-field issue that the Buffalo Bills are currently dealing with. Von Miller, star pass rusher, all pro, was arrested, or excuse me, turned himself in and was later released last weekend, or was that, yes, last week, on uh, accusations of domestic violence. It was a class two felony physically harming a pregnant woman. Now, apparently the woman is Von Miller's baby mother. It's holding his child. And as we see a lot of times in these situations, the accuser, after the fact, came out and said, no, it's all being blown out of proportion. This is not that big of a deal. But it was so big of a deal that Von Miller had to turn himself in to Dallas police. So my big question Felonies are big deals. Felonies, I mean, are, felonies are big deals. Big deal, right? I would say so. A felony is a pretty damn, pretty damn big deal. So I haven't really spoke on this situation because I, I didn't know all the details at first. But I'll say this in terms of the National Football League and their track record when talking about and condemning instances of domestic violence. Normally, there really is a no-nonsense policy from Roger Goodell and company. Ever since the Ray Rice incident, it has been really no-nonsense on the domestic violent front. And shout-out to the National Football League for, for coming down with the ironclad, so to speak, in, in holding these guys accountable. No matter what your social status is, no matter how much money you bring in on a week-in, week-out basis, you are not above the law. And that spot, and that subject, it is super sensitive to me just because I just have no tolerance for it. I don't think there's any excuse for a man to put his hands on a female. And that's what was being alleged in, in the Von Miller situation. Especially a pregnant woman. Spe- <laughs> You're a pregnant woman at that, Chris. I understand. It doesn't matter whose it is exactly. at the end of the day. but it- Chris, you're married. You can speak to this better than I can. You've been in probably high-tension situations with your significant other, but it never gets to that point where men that have egos and are testosterone-filled, but you also got to have common sense, man. Walk the hell away. So easy just to walk away in situations like that. But Vaughn took it to the next level, and because it's Vaughn Miller, I feel like it's not getting the attention that it normally would. Well, so far it's all alleged, too. We don't know for sure. It has not been gone through court yet, but... That's a I'm hell of an accusation. The NFL hasn't put him on that, uh, that special list. list. Yeah. The, the non-football injury list. Yeah. The NFI list is what they call it for short. And we've seen other instances, because Chris, you bring up a great point. He's innocent until proven guilty, obviously, in the court of law in the United States. But normally the NFL, when they have accusations like this, see, when you're on NFI, and I got to look this up. Maybe we, maybe we can get surf the, uh, the dark web for this. <laughs> Not the dark web, actually, but you know what I mean. When you're on NFI, are you paid? Because I think there's the reason they put you on NFI. It's first situations like this where you're innocent until proven guilty because the accusation itself is a horrible look for the National Football League, Von Miller, and the Buffalo Bills. But Sean McDermott had to respond to that. And he was asked, what's going to happen with Von Miller? Sean McDermott says Von Miller will play Sunday. And then this is the quote, Chris. I'm a football coach. I'm not an investigator. 
You'll hear me use the term self-awareness tonight. Multiple times throughout the show. That Sean McDermott response, another example of how he lacks self-awareness. Now, I read you the excerpt that Sean McDermott, or the the excerpt that was in the Sean McDermott hit piece about 9-11 and how he was stupid enough to compare the football team banding together to the hijackers of 9-11 banding together. His dumbass. Fortunately enough for everyone and for this program here tonight, Chris, Sean McDermott earlier today actually responded. He actually responded to the allegations that were in that Tyler Dunn hit piece. So Sean McDermott, and I, and I, and I love that unprompted, he opened up his press conference addressing the hit piece. I'm going to reference um, the team meeting that has been brought up. Uh, my intent in the meeting that day was to discuss the importance of communication. I just want to, he is admitting that he did say that. So I want to say this, right? And we'll let you hear the rest of the audio. The fact that he's admitting it, and tell me if you agree with this, Chris. The fact that he's admitting it, I think it lends credence and credibility to everything else that's said in this three-part series. Yeah, I think I think it does. Um, it certainly doesn't sound like he was like, oh, I never did something like that. Right. And it sounds like, no, we got it on tape. He's like, oh, well, maybe I, like. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying? Once you, once you caught with your head in the cookie jar, it's really nothing that you could do. Can we run it back from the top? Here is Sean McDermott responding to the Tyler Dunn piece from yesterday. I want to reference um, the team meeting that has been brought up. Uh, My intent in the meeting that day was to discuss the importance of communication and being on the same page with the team. I regretted mentioning 9-11 in my message that day, and I immediately apologized to the team. Not only was 9-11 a horrific event in our country's history, but a day but a day that I lost a good family friend. And so with that, I'll turn it over to answer any questions you might have. Mentioning 9-11 in the context of um, the team meeting that was the goal of the team meeting was about the importance of communication and being on the same page as a team. Yeah, to be honest with you, I'm not here to to discuss the the article that's out there and the things that are mentioned other than this right here because this right here is very, very important to me. And um, something I take very seriously. Because so we pause it for one second and pick it up right there. Basically, he's saying is, yeah, everything else in there is true, but I got to come forward and speak on this. Because I'll get blackballed. And, Chris, you said something while the audio was playing that I want to let you repeat because I'm, I'm right there with you. Oh, you're talking about, yeah, I was saying, uh, how, how does Kaepernick get blacklisted and this guy's talking like this kind of stuff about the terrorists of 9 11? You and, couldn't have. And no one cares. It doesn't even matter. Come you on, know? man. It's, uh, it's a sad situation. You couldn't have used like a SEAL Team 6 reference if you wanted to go that route. You could have. Uh, giving credit to the, the, the hardworking men and women in our United States Army and the Navy. You could have used any communication reference, any other reference, Sean McDermott, and you use that? It's just tone deaf, man, especially when you're a head coach in the great state of New York. If we can pick that up from where it left off, Sean McDermott continuing to get peppered with Something questions. I take very seriously. Um, just awareness around a horrific event more than anything and a situation that I lost, as I mentioned, a family friend, really multiple family friends. Um, and that was it. And I'm not laughing at the situation. I'm laughing at his dumb ass. I mean, it's just the most tone deaf, sad. It's, it's all pitiful. It's all pitiful. I'm gonna call it what it is. It's. Pitiful. You know what that must mean, though? 
And this is kind of something that we'll hear from Jeremy Fowler and John Kime about. You know what that tells me, Chris? If you've got to go to those type of lengths to get your message across to your team, it means your message has probably grown stale. It probably means your voice is now ringing hollow within that building out in Buffalo right now. It also makes me wonder what, like, a player, like, are you supposed to be inspired by that kind of talk? Like, <laughs> Oh, my Lord. Like, that's what I'm saying. We're like, yeah, we're going to go out Come there on. and communicate like terrorists. Like, you know, like what, it's what just kind ridiculous, of... <laughs> man. It's sad that he, he tried to use that example. <sighs> the veterans in that Buffalo Bills locker room, because that is a veteran team. So, wait, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, when, you, when there's a veteran team and, and coaches message begin, begins to ring hollow and you can start to call his bluff on stuff, a veteran team is going to call it out quicker than a young team because they've seen stuff before. They've been in, led by a real leader before. I'm disappointed in Sean McDermott. man. Could you imagine if that happened here in D.C.? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that would fly very well here. <laughs> Credit to the New Although York It kind of reminds me of Del Rio's the comments Del, yeah. that ended up getting the stadium, you know, not directly caused, but certainly helped. Keep the stadium out of Northern Virginia. So. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a sad situation. I thought it was relevant to bring it up one because it's probably the biggest story right now to me, at least non-football in the NFL. And then we've been dealing with our own culture coaching drama here in our nation's capital here in the past forty-eight hours or so. John Kime and Jeremy Fowler of ESPN put together a piece a couple of days ago that's headlined inside the Commander's High Stakes 2023 season in what comes next. Both of those two dudes did a hell of a job sourcing multiple guys. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. In and around that building to try to get to the bottom of why this football team is 4-9 right now. When we come back, I'll read you some of my favorite excerpts from that John Kime and Jeremy Fowler report. And before we get to the top of the 8 o'clock hour, I got audio from the John Kime report Earlier today, him and Jeremy Fowler sat down and discussed in more detail uh, their story that dropped a couple of days ago on ESPN. We'll get you some excerpts from that story next here on The Fan. Welcome back. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally here on the free Odyssey app. The youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we hand things over to Tech Talk Live. Coming up in about an hour or so, middle of the 8 o'clock hour, about 8.30 or so, our pal Eric Eager is set to join the program. Uh, he is the VP of SumerSports.com, one of the latest and greatest, best new analytic tools out there on the market. Eric Eager formerly uh, headed up the analytics department over at Pro Football Focus. He now does his own thing with former Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov, uh, they co-host the Sumer Sports Podcast. Sat down with Eric uh, a little bit earlier today, so we'll let you hear some of that conversation coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Right now, though, I want to continue to be messy, man, because that's what it's been here at the start of the show. It's been messy. We talked about in that last segment, the alarms being sounded right now in Western New York with the Buffalo Bills. Tyler Dunn putting together that hit piece on Sean McDermott. We'll let you hear Sean McDermott's response to the uh, alleged hit piece, and it kind of was even more relevant to me because of the piece that came out a couple of days ago from Jeremy Fowler and John Kime of ESPN, kind of highlighting what the past couple of months have been like for the Washington Commanders. And there are a lot of really good details in this article. They outline what happened on the trade deadline day. They outline uh, some of the relationships in-house right now and how much power Eric Bieniemy was given from the head coach, Ron Rivera. They also detail the just, whew, I don't want to guess it, but the chilling exchange 
between Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio when he decided to fire him in defensive backs coach Brett Wieselmeyer. So it's been, it's been a lot of events here in Washington about the first 13 weeks of the season. And as we'll find out, these issues that existed here in D.C. really go all the way back to the summer. But I want to start in this point of the article that really, to me, highlights what we can expect from majority owner Josh Harris moving forward. This excerpt right here kind of details and outlines how the trade deadline went. Uh, it gives you some insight into, you know, the day-to-day in Ashburn and just how involved Josh Harris and company have been. It says, new owner Josh Harris meeting remotely with his football brain trust faced his first big football decision since he'd been approved as the owner. Harris emphasized, keyword emphasized, he was open to acquiring future draft capital on the trade market, particularly with Sweat and Young, according to front office and team sources. Source also says he didn't, quote-unquote, roll in as a sheriff, as the source put it. But he gave his opinion, everyone was heard, and we landed in a fair spot. But when you're calling the shots, a suggestion can often be taken as an edict. So the fact that Josh, as they say here, emphasized that he was open to acquiring future draft capital, emphasizing that you're open to something seems like such an oxymoron, doesn't it? Like you're emphasizing it, meaning this is what you want to happen. You're not open to it. If you're open to something, you're okay with it. Emphasize meaning you want it. That's a definite possibility. A definite possibility. I like the way you put that. But no, it's basically kind of underscoring the type of owner that Josh Harris is. He's more of a nudger, not someone that's going to come in and make declarations. He wants to really lean in and trust his football people. But with this decision, a blind man could see that it probably didn't make sense to bring back both Montez Sweat and Chase Young when it looked unlikely that you would re-sign both of them to monster contracts at season's end. But I think the surprise here locally was the fact that both of them ended up being moved. This is a quote from a personnel source that texted ESPN the evening of October 30th when those moves were made. The text said, today, dot, 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 has not been a good day. It kind of shows you Where things are right now in that building, ownership, the Hogs, the Harris Ownership Group, they have their own way of doing things. It's what's best for the organization ultimately, but for the personnel folks, you traded away Montez Sweat and Chase Young for future draft capital that you're probably not going to be able to see through, that you're probably not going to make a decision on. And in the short term, We've seen the result that trading away Chase and Montez have had. They can't set the eggs to save their life. They, I've said it during the Burgundy and Gold Endgame show that we do here on The Fan. It's four games left to go. They got to sign a veteran defensive end. They need a physically mature veteran defensive end that could set the edge. They got Andre Jones, the rookie out of Louisiana Lafayette, playing defensive end. They got Casey Tuhill, a retread veteran playing defensive end, a a rotational, situational pass rusher, playing a significant amount of snaps. K.J. Henry, the rookie, out of Clemson, playing a significant amount of snaps. We saw it against Miami, and they were being nice about it because I would have just ran 28 toss all day to to Devin A. Chain. They couldn't stop the Miami rushing attack on the edge to save their life, and it was a problem on Sunday. It'll be a problem throughout the remainder of the season, but – That's what happens when you trade away your two most impactful pass rushers and your two best run stoppers. So they highlight that, you know, the personnel folks obviously upset that Washington went out and made that move because they're not going to pick the players that Washington will end up getting back uh, in return for those two. This is where it really gets juicy here in this article. They start talking about the relationship between Ron Rivera, Eric Bieniemy, and the offensive coaching staff. So I think a lot of us knew coming into this thing, Ron Rivera conceded a hell of a lot of power to Eric Bieniemy. And with that power, Eric Bieniemy 
named the assistant head coach, was basically the de facto head coach. And we'll let you hear the audio from John Kime and Jeremy Fowler coming up on the other side. But they'll let you basically hear it. He is the de facto head coach right now in Washington. When you are scheduling meeting times, when you are the one scheduling the practice schedule and putting all that together, that is head coach responsibility. And Jeremy and Kime go on to say, you know, Ron Rivera known as a delegator, uh, as a head coach in his career. Knowing that that was the role Ron wanted to take, I think it's even more stupid. I think it's even more dumb. I think it's further example of organizational malpractice. The fact that he conceded all of the offensive power to Scott Turner in year one. A first-time offensive coordinator that had never done the job. You want to be such a delegator, put a good damn staff around you. If you're going to be a delegator and and lean on your coordinators, at least have some damn good coordinators. Because Scott Turner wasn't it. Now, with Eric Bieniemy, as they lay out here in the article, there was some feathers that were ruffled. With the amount of power that Eric Bieniemy was given. This one excerpt right here that really kind of lays out the issue. Or what's gone on there in D.C. offensively? I'm scrolling down here trying to find it. I lost it here. I don't know. I got excited and hit the, hit the mouse out of the wrong spot. This is from a chief source. And I think this really is speaks to the situation. He's demanding and he'll push people. And he doesn't care if he ruffles feathers. That same chief source said many players in Kansas City needed that push, including quarterback Patrick Mahomes, and tight end Travis Kelsey. Another excerpt in this article, and this is the one that really, really struck me and had me taken aback. One player told ESPN, he's gotten better at respecting our time. Huh? So before that, it says, amongst the other issues that players had early in the year was that afternoon offensive meetings frequently ran long and got in the way of players' needed treatment. Anyone, I play college football, so it's a little bit different in terms of time and the way it's allocated in the NFL. But, man, you going out and getting treatment is something that is on you. There's no way a meeting is running that long to where you can't get treatment. This article, I think, highlights the immaturity that exists within the building over there in Ashburn. Guys not making the most Of their time. And it's now being framed like Eric Biennemi is some super demanding, nonsensical tough ass. That's not what it is at all. As the Kansas City chief source laid out, he's demanding, he'll push people, and he doesn't care if he ruffles feathers. But guys needed that extra push. See, when you've been as bad as Washington's been, when you have as stinky of a culture as Washington has, when someone comes in there and tries to set the standard, for how things should be done. If you're not tough enough, it's going to ruffle some feathers. This is my favorite excerpt of it all. Multiple sources said that the enemy and the offensive coaches work well past midnight some nights during the week. Less than standard practice, a less than standard practice in the National Football League that typically includes early mornings to start the workday. One member of the staff, see how I'm, see where I'm getting at with this? Why are players and coaches so damn comfortable running their mouths to John Kime and John F- and, and, and Jeremy Fowler? Why are they so comfortable? Well, it means they're good at their job, though. I mean, that's good reporting if you can get people to run their mouth when they're not supposed to. Correct. And this is not an indictment on Kime or Fowler. It shows how soft the culture is in that locker room. You're upset because you're having to meet a little bit longer. You're upset because you're having late nights during the week. I mean, Doc Walker you, would say it all the time. Chris Joe Jackson Gibbs would sleep, would sleep in the damn building sometimes because that's how bad he wanted it. I hear that, but like when you're winning, people have more loyalty in these situations, and it's, it's, they ain't winning, so there ain't a lot of loyalty to be found right now. It's 13 games into this thing. You gotta. It's not instant grits. It's not instant oatmeal. You're not all of a sudden overnight going to turn into a top 10 offense. And anyone in there in the building that was here last year should know there's a clear night and day improvement offensively. So something he's doing is working. 
So it goes on to say, one member of the staff said, while the long hours are a testament to the enemy's stamina, the pace is nearly impossible to maintain, even in the notoriously sleep-deprived NFL coaching profession due to the length of the season. The enemy acknowledged the demands on the staff, but said they were part of establishing a winning culture. Bingo. I agree wholeheartedly with Eric Bieniemy when he goes out and says that. Because that is what it's about. It's about establishing a winning culture. And the last time I checked, no one on that damn Washington Commanders coaching staff has the hardware that Eric Bieniemy has. Point blank, period. So yes, he's coming in and trying to establish a culture because he sees the way things have been done here in Washington. Let's be honest. Ron Rivera has seen the way things have gone in Washington, which is why he decided to make the change and why he delegated so much power to Eric Bieniemy. But the problem with all of it to me, and we've had multiple examples of this with Ron giving people, giving the media insight on meetings between Terry and EB, with Ron coming out during training camp or earlier in the season saying that, yeah, some players were frustrated. What Ron did in those situations, and it's god-awful that he did it, he completely undermined everything Eric Bieniemy was trying to accomplish here in year one. I know we're blowing past the clock here. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, I want to play you the audio from this morning, the John Kime Report. The two authors of this ESPN piece on the commanders, John Kime and Jeremy Fowler, they linked up this morning, and we got some audio, and they went into a little bit more detail about some of the issues that exist right now in Washington. We'll let you hear that audio next here on The Fan. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking you up to 10 o'clock tonight. A couple of guests will stop by before we get out of here. In about a half hour, our pal, Eric Eager, the VP of Sumersports.com and the co-host of the Sumer Sports Podcast, set to join us. Big analytics guru, and he made some headlines here locally about a month and a half ago. Chris, I don't know if you remember this. Remember everyone was all up in arms because Eric Eager said that Sam Howell is a backup at best. And it wasn't meant to be a, a slight to Sam Howell and all the D.C. dogs were at his neck. And it's crazy because it was right after Sam Howell had played a pretty damn good game. And then after Eric Eager made the comment, things kind of went left for the dream quarterback here, Sam Howell. Uh, so we'll talk to Eric coming up at about 8.30 or so. We'll switch gears to the NBA as well. Like a I mean, there are some starters I still think he's yeah. much better than. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fascinating here in the next month or so to to see what he does down the stretch and to see who they end up bringing in talking about the Josh Harris ownership group take over this thing because I said it yesterday this job is obviously super attractive five picks in the top 100 uh, 90 plus million dollars in cap space a owner that is willing to provide you with the necessary resources to build a sustained winner you're in D.C., one of the most storied franchises in the history of pro sports, talking about this Washington football franchise. All that is true, but you are going to get put to work right away in terms of grinding the tape. Because guess what? There's a huge decision you got to make at quarterback. Sam Howell's under contract for two more years. And I just, let me go to the latest ESPN odds that I just sent to myself. VR guy, Seth Walder of ESPN. Seth always does phenomenal job giving us the latest on the numbers side with the National Football League. So according to ESPN analytics, the Washington Commanders right now have a 32% chance to earn a top three pick in April's draft. Yeah, and the Patriots won last night, and too. The They're only a game behind the Patriots. <laughs> so... The, the, the conversation and the discussion is going to be very interesting. And now with the loss yesterday for New England, Washington up to a 14% chance to earn a top two pick. Now, if they land a top two pick, it's just so many fascinating layers to this. Because let's say they do land a number two pick. 
I bet they trade down if they do. I, I bet they trade down. I don't. It all depends on what the next brain trust thinks about Sam Howell. Because if you don't think you need a quarterback, I would for damn sure trade down from two. And you may be able to get a star-studded wide receiver and a, a premier left tackle for Sam if that's who you want to build around. But if the new brain trust isn't sold on Sam Howell, if you're at two, you're going to have your choice between Drake May or Jaden Daniels, who a lot of folks uh, – foresee rising up during this pre-draft process. He is going to be the Heisman front runner. He probably will win the Heisman. Watching him dominate the way he did at LSU in one season is Joe Burrow-esque. Dare I say it. We know why Washington doesn't have Joe Burrow. Those damn Dolphins, man. We should have Joe Burrow. But I want to get to and continue to discuss the piece that Jeremy Fowler and John Kahn of ESPN put out a couple of days ago. They went in... Did sort of an audio form this morning, and it was just a straight-up interview between Kime and Fowler, and there's a lot of good nuggets in there. John Kime and Jeremy Fowler of ESPN continuing to discuss what has gone wrong uh, in our nation's capital for the Washington Commanders through 13 games. They said at 4-9, and nine, they discuss a multitude of things, uh, including what's next, the national perspective. But what I want to get to first is Jeremy Fowler talking about what stood out to him while digging up the info on this story? Well, I, I would say just the um, the different personalities in the building and and just the, the different perspectives that everybody came from. You know, you have a head coach who's kind of trying to keep it all together, whose message is, is running a little hollow probably. Yeah. Uh, we had some examples of that. And, um, you know, this is a, this is a head coach that, that, is I guess you could say a delegator, you know, which which can be a successful formula. It's worked for him in the past, um, but you know, between Scott Turner and then now Jack Del Rio fired, and then you bring in a new offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy, there's a uh, a lot of um, you know that plan is maybe uncertain because of you've delegated or deferred, and then like, okay, well, you know, how how much ownership did you take at the end um, to try to get it right? Which, you know, like the, the B enemy decision was a big one. That that's that in itself is just the big bet on B enemy is fascinating and all the layers that come with that, you know, an accomplished coordinator who comes in um, probably with something to prove and uh, you know, was given license to make changes and made them. And, you know, the, the uh, some of which was, was probably a shock to some players that were used to a certain way. So, and then you have the kind of the Del Rio piece of just this awkward firing um, and just cur- curiously uh, fell apart defensively this year. And then you have an owner who's trying to absorb all this and figure it all out on the fly, and he just started on the job, you know, five months ago. So just, I, I think to me, just the different character, the cast of characters in different perspectives was probably uh, most eye-opening. Yeah, it was eye-opening for me as well to hear the different people sourced for this story. Now, Washington's culture over the years uh, definitely has been under scrutiny and under the microscope. I understand in every organization there are reporters. In every organization, there are going to be stories that are written. I'm kind of more so disappointed at some of what I heard from the players and coaches on this staff about Eric and how demanding he was. Because that that's frustrating to me because, as I said before, Eric Bieniemy has the most winning pedigree on this Washington Commanders staff. Eric Bieniemy has been to the top of the mountain before. It's the only coach on staff that has. So the fact that his methods are being challenged and questioned and mocked is frustrating to me. Because that's what this piece is. It's mocking what Eric Bieniemy is trying to do. And let's call it what it is, right? It's a grown-ass men that are paid millions of dollars. One of the big frustrations was the change to the practice schedule. Because it, you know, it was different. Not something that they were accustomed to. It's just frustrating to me because they changed to the practice schedule that the Kansas City Chiefs currently use. And uh, they seem to be doing pretty well for themselves. It's not a problem for Pat Mahomes that he's got to come to the facility on a Tuesday. It's not a problem 
for Travis Kelsey that he's got to put in a little bit extra work. He's still got time to hang out with Taylor. He's still got time to hang out with old Swifty. See what I'm saying? The 24 hours in a day. It's up to you what you do with them. I'm trying to find this quote from an NFC. This is from an NFC executive currently employed right now with the team. They said this about Eric Bieniemy. He took over a tough situation there in Washington and has worked hard to correct it. They needed a culture shock there. I think he's probably helped his profile with what he's done here in D.C. I can agree with that wholeheartedly. And I wonder how much this piece helps his profile as well. Because if you're someone out there that's a part of the brain trust of another organization and you hear this stuff coming out about Eric Bieniemy, knowing that it's Washington, you probably go, Psh. shout out to EB going to Washington, putting his foot down, finally trying to turn that dumpster fire into a winner. Because that's what he's doing. It ain't easy being great. Nothing in this life worth having comes easy. That's in sports. That's in your job. It's in school. That's life for you, man. So what's most damning about all of this is I don't know who these anonymous players and coaches are. But guess what? I don't want them in my building next year. I don't. This culture is cancerous here in Washington. The culture that exists right now in Ashburn is cancerous. And someone needs to come in and completely reset this thing. They need a leader of men. That's why a lot of people are drooling and foaming at the mouth for Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Can Ben Johnson stand up in front of a room and demand excellence from a group of guys? Because guess what? That's Dan Campbell's job in Detroit. He's the one that's the macho man that walks around with his chest puffed out. You need a drill sergeant here in D.C. This is a young football team that doesn't have a lot of experience. And on the same token, those complaining that they think they're doing too much, you don't know what it takes to win because y'all haven't won a goddamn thing there. That's why I get frustrated. This whole piece, this whole article, this whole situation drives me insane because I have a feeling who's the complainers. I have a feeling who are the folks going out and complaining about the amount of time they got to spend at the facility. Cry me a damn river. You get paid the bag to spend that extra time at the facility. Russell Wilson, say what you want about him. Mr. Unlimited, he had a damn office. He had a damn office at Denver's practice facility last year. That's how much time he was spending in the building. See, it's the people that, the athletes, the athletes, the workers that are willing to do the abnormal things are the ones that end up being great. Kobe had a great phrase, Mamba mentality. There is not one member of the Washington Commanders. You know what? There may be one. Maybe one or two. There may be a few. I don't want to making an indictment on the entire roster. But there are too many guys over there in Washington that don't have that Mamba mentality. And the ones that do have it, I think are young and their voice isn't big enough yet. Say what you want about Brian Robinson. His ass got shot. You know how much extra time he had to spend at the facility to work his way back last year? Didn't see him complaining. Yet we got veterans on this roster complaining about how much time they got to spend at the facility. We'll take another time out when we come back. We'll let you continue to hear from John Kime and Jeremy Fowler from this morning on the John Kime Report where you can download uh, anywhere you get your podcast. It's on YouTube as well in video form. Our pal John does an excellent job, him and Jeremy both, uh, doing their best to get to the bottom of what has went wrong in Ashburn. When we get back, we'll let you hear from Fowler and Kime on when they started sensing friction within that Washington Commanders building. That's next here on The Fan. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 